0: Good morning, morning. my name is Mark, I'm the discipleship pastor here at New Life, thank you so much for coming out and joining us and being here with us, and if you're with us on Facebook Live, thank you so much for prioritizing the uh, the important, there's been a lot of words I've messed up today, last night instead of saying do not judge, I said donut judge. Like a man who judges donuts, which I would like to be. But if you're on Facebook Live, thank you so much for joining us and prioritizing the important right now. Uh, If you're on the beach somewhere watching on your phone or you found some Wi-Fi at camp, we're just excited that you decided to be part of our church family this morning. So thank you so much for joining us on on Facebook. Um, This week, we're in a series, and we're actually closing up a series. Well, we're in the home stretch anyway. It was a 20-week series that we started on Easter weekend, and we're coming to kind of the last Piece of that series, and we've been in this series called Mountain Monologues. And we called it Mountain Monologues because we've been looking chapter by chapter, verse by verse, at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now, Sermon on the Mount was probably the most extensive sermon that Jesus preached, um, well, at least the most extensive one. That We have record of and he covered like all sorts of topics things that dealt with all different areas and all different walks of life And so if you've missed any of those um, go back and watch them online and you can catch up with where we've been today We're going to be in the book of Matthew And we've been in the book of Matthew really since Easter weekend looking a little bit at a time at Sermon on the Mountain The things that Jesus taught now Matthew was a tax collector, which meant he was kind of a trader. So at the time of Jesus, Israel was overtaken by the Romans who conquered most of the known world. And so the Romans had ruled over Israel for some time, and they would collect taxes from the countries that they had conquered. And so they would hire people from that country to collect those taxes at tax-collecting booths. And so Matthew was one of those people. So, you know, just imagine the Israelites didn't really like Matthew very much. Oftentimes, tax collectors were thieves and they would skim a little bit off the top or charge a little bit too much to pad their own pockets. And so, Matthew wasn't a very liked individual until he met a man named Jesus. And when he met a man named Jesus, he left his tax collector's booth and he began to follow Jesus, and he became one of his disciples. So Jesus, when he wrote down his book, what we call the book of Matthew, which is just a chunk of the New Testament, a chunk of the newer part of the Bible, he was writing down the things that he actually saw and heard. He is an eyewitness of these things. It wasn't through hearsay. It wasn't through reporting. There are other gospels that were written, orderly accounts of people who went and interviewed eyewitnesses and talked to them. But Matthew was one of the eyewitnesses. So he was there for Sermon on the Mount. And what we're taking 20 weeks to talk about, it was really just, he was just really summarizing some of the pieces that Jesus had preached about probably over the course of a day or two. And so when we look at the book of Matthew and when we turn to that, we know that Matthew was an eyewitness of the things that he's writing about. He actually saw and actually heard these things, and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he then took and wrote them down to make an account so that you and I would know the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus taught. So today we're turning to chapter 7, which is uh, Matthew is, is broken down into chapters, as most of the books in the Bible are. And, uh, in, and the Sermon on the Mount is, uh, takes up Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, it doesn't, like, it's not different chapters in a book per se. When Matthew wrote this, he didn't write this in chapters. He just wrote one long thing, but we have broken it down into chapters. So today we're starting in chapter 7 in verse 1. I'm going to be looking at the ESV in Matthew 7, 1, um, and it's going to be up there on the screen. So if you want to follow along with your phone in a different translation or with your Bible, feel free to do that. Take a moment to navigate to that. And let's look at this passage together. He says, this is Jesus speaking, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. One of the things that I love about the teachings of Jesus is that they cross cultural, economic barriers, racial barriers, time And they can apply to all people. The way that he taught and the way that Matthew wrote is such a thing that it can be transferred to us. It can compel our lives. And when we apply it, it can transform our lives. That's one of the many things that I love about the teachings of Jesus. How transferable it is and how applicable it is to our lives thousands of years later in a different culture. Now, I've heard this passage preached about before, and a lot of times we sort of direct this at one grouping of people. We say that when Jesus was talking about judgmentalism, we point it towards the religious leaders and their wicked, judgmental, evil hearts. And we talk about how the Pharisees and the Sadducees were there and how this really would have got at them. And, and I've heard that preached before. But the reality is that Jesus is speaking this to a much larger crowd than just a handful of religious leaders. No, the, the crowd, we've talked about the crowd in the past weeks. So if you've missed it, I mean, there were children in the crowd, stay-at-home mums in the crowd, fishermen, farmers, shopkeepers, politicians, religious leaders, lawyers, priests, Roman soldiers. In this vast crowd outside of the city of Capernaum, on a hillside beside the Sea of Galilee, there are all sorts of people who are gathered. And I think when Jesus is speaking here, he is speaking about something that applies to everyone who's in the crowd that day. That they would all be able to take something from this. And so I think that we are able to take something from this and draw from it and allow it to transform our lives as well. Jesus says, "Do not judge or you will be judged. Do not judge. Actually what he says in the ESV is judge not that you be not judged. But that sounds like Yoda. So I, I chose to look at the NIV version that says, do not judge or you will be judged. Do not judge or you will be judged. It just makes a little bit more sense to me. It's a little bit clearer English in terms of the word order. Do not judge or you will be judged. Now, for people who live in the 21st century, it's pretty easy to understand. Seems pretty self-explanatory. If you judge others harshly, God's going to judge you harshly. And there's definitely some truth in that. But from a 21st century perspective, we can take this first verse and we can take it out of context and apply it to our lives in a very incorrect and inappropriate or improper way. Let me, let me expand on that a little bit. So I had a friend in high school. And um, this friend in high school found this exact passage uh, with the exception of verse 6, uh, verses 1 through 5 of Matthew 7. And I remember because I grew up in youth group and grew up in church and, um, you know, he was sort of exploring God's word a little bit and reading on his own. And I don't know if you've ever had that where like you, maybe some of the first times you picked up the Bible and began reading it on your own and like your eyes were just like, I didn't know that it said that. Are you kidding me? Like your eyes were just open to it. Like that's in here. Oh my God. I did not know. So that was kind of like one of these moments for him, right? Like he was reading a little bit, and he got to Matthew 7, he read this, and it was just like alive to him, and he's like, oh my gosh, it says this, and he brought it to school with him, and he showed it to me, and he says, here, don't judge people, take the log out of your own eye. We shouldn't judge people, and maybe I had too many logs in my eye, and he was actually trying to get to me, and I didn't realize it, Um, but, you know, in that time, I know that my friend really defined a lot of his life around this. This was a life-changing moment for him, this truth and this realization, and I just know that because that kind of became his motto, right? Like, his life really became about not judging, and so people around him, friends and whoever, could kind of do whatever they wanted without judgment or without any comment from him, and there's definitely some value in that, but in turn, what it ended up becoming was Less about, like, him not having comment and not judging people and him never saying anything to anybody, even if someone was completely destroying their life. It wasn't his spot to judge, so he just didn't say anything. I mean, it really goes along with the 21st century motto that we live with in our culture today, which is, like, you do you and I do me. Like, you can have your religion thing and you you can do whatever you want, just don't tell me what to do. You do you, and I'll do me. And if we read this passage and we take just the first verse out, well, it can really lead us to believe that that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. That for once, our culture has it right, and that's how we're supposed to live. That's really how my buddy did things. But I think the problem is it's a misinterpretation and misunderstanding about what Jesus is actually trying to get across. Now, why do I say that? Well, because if you look at verse 6, verse 6 says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them under your, underfoot, and turn to attack you. Now, I don't know about you, but it's going to be hard not to judge people and yet be able to determine that someone is a pig or a dog. That seems pretty judgmental to me, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know how it lands for you, but those are pretty harsh words. I don't think I've ever called anyone a pig or a dog in my life is just mean, right? It seems judgmental to me. And so when you take verse 1 of Matthew 7 and you take verse 6 of Matthew 7 and you put them side by side, it seems like Jesus is talking out of both sides of his mouth, being a little bit hypocritical, maybe even contradicting himself. How can you say do not judge or you will be judged to take the log out of your own eye and then at the same time be able to categorize somebody as a pig, or as a dog. You so see that's part of the danger of taking one part of scripture or one verse out of the whole and applying it to your life. Now now please understand. My buddy applied what he saw Jesus teaching to his life as best he good. And I have nothing against wholeheartedly applying the teachings of the Bible to our lives. And there are many passages that you can just take the verse out and you can apply it to your life. But when we look at the teachings of Jesus, it's better if we understand the whole of the teachings of Jesus so that we can understand exactly what it is that Jesus is trying to say, exactly what it is that Jesus Is teaching Because if we take verse 1 and we apply that to our lives, then there's no accountability, there's no judgment, there's no anything. People can do whatever they want. Everything's permissible. And so if my friend wants to cheat on her husband, who am I to say that they shouldn't do that? If my buddy wants to smoke crack, who am I to stand in their way? If a friend of mine or a relative wants to rob a bank, who am I to say they shouldn't do it? Because if there's no judgment, then, well... There's no responsibility on my part. I can get away scotch free I don't have to worry about or say anything to anybody because I'm, frankly, just not judging you. Now, do not judge does not mean do not think. It also doesn't mean do not live without healthy boundaries. It also doesn't mean do not discern. But if we take the other passage and we take verse 6 and we live that out, And only that, and we pull it out of context, then it's no better. We have no problem considering somebody a pig or a dog and telling them that to their face. Well, there's no reason to share the love of Jesus or our kindness or help somebody out. We don't have to do that for other people. Why? Because we can categorize them as a pig or a dog, and then we don't have to because we're not giving a dog what's holy or casting our pearls before pigs. So there's no reason to help the orphan or the widow or the prisoner. We don't have to do any of those things. Why? Because we're not casting our pearls before pigs. Churches have literally taken this scripture to mean that we don't have to evangelize. Because ultimately, what's our most valuable possession? Our greatest pearl? Well, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the saving grace of God. And, and, and then who is the lowest of the low? The pigs and the dogs of our world. Well, those are the unbelievers, So if I believe this passage, then there's no reason for me to tell anybody about Jesus or share the love of God with anybody because I'm not casting my pearls, the gospel, before pigs, the unbelievers. Do you see when we take one scripture, one verse, and we pull it out of the hole, that it can really be misinterpreted and it can destroy our lives. We can give permission for anybody to do anything. No consequences. No accountability. We can become hardened. Judge people harshly. Not share love. Ignore the great commission. Listen, you can take one part of the Bible out of context, and if you do that, you can make the Bible say whatever you want. As someone who's become familiar with the Bible, I can pull one verse out of context, and I can get up and preach a compelling sermon telling you whatever I want to tell you, and I can make it seem true based on the Bible. I can make it say whatever I want. Because it's why it's so important that you read your Bible and you get a better understanding. Thank goodness we have pastors here at New Life who are faithful to the Word of God and seek to be faithful to the Holy Spirit. Because you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, which is why it's so important that you're in the Word, that you're reading God's Word, and that you're understanding. Let me put it this way. Without a broader understanding of the teachings of Jesus, it's hard to understand the specific teachings of Jesus. Without a broader understanding of the teachings of Jesus, it's hard to understand the specific teachings of Jesus. So, I'm not. once again, I'm not against applying wholeheartedly the teachings of the Bible to your life. We want you to do that. I want to be doing that with my life. But when it comes to many of the teachings of Jesus, we have to understand all that he taught, not just one thing that he taught, so that we can turn and apply those things to our lives in a healthy way and in the way that he intended. Okay, so what does he mean? We've gone all through these things about the stuff that he maybe doesn't mean, but what does Jesus mean? When he says, Do not judge, or you'll be judged, when he says, Take the log out of your own eye, and then he says, Don't throw your pearls before pigs what is he saying to these people cuz it just seems strange and confusing well that's our take home point today our take home points that one point i'm going to seek to make so that we can take it home and live it out in the coming week this week's take home point is judging others will harden our hearts and make us hypocrites judging others will harden our hearts and make us hypocrites so I came up with a couple of questions and a couple of statements that I think helped me help us define some of this. Because I, I was just like as I was reading through it, like I was a little confused, and as I was doing some research, like I needed some clarity. So I wrote a couple of statements underneath of each question. One of them is what does do not judge mean? The other question is, what does do not judge not mean? So when Jesus says do not judge, what is he actually saying? And here are at least three things that I think he is saying. Don't hold yourself to a standard you're unwilling to. Don't hold others to a standard you're unwilling to hold to yourself. Don't hold others to a standard you're unwilling to hold to yourself. So when it comes to taking the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your buddies, or your friends, your family members, or your child's, or as a teenager who are the worst at this, your parents. Don't hold others to a standard you're unwilling to hold yourself to. Don't dismiss others based on their worst mistakes. Don't dismiss others based on their worst mistakes. This is actually one that teenagers struggle less with and parents, adults, struggle more with. Because we've just had more time to see mistakes and more opportunity to judge. Generally speaking, the older we get, the less optimistic we become and the less trusting we become of other people the easier it is for us to see someone, hear about their worst mistake. Maybe we heard a rumor. Maybe we witnessed it ourselves. Whatever it is, it's easier to take that person and put them in a box so that we can dismiss them. Because ultimately, that's what judgment is. It's an easier way for our brain to process things so that we can dismiss them. This, a lot of times, um, well, let's look at the next one. Don't judge others without getting to know them. Don't judge. This is like don't judge a book by its cover. We learned this. We learned it like elementary school kindergarten don't judge a book by its cover which I did which is why I read mostly zoo books but um we I mean we know this let's just face it sometimes as adults we need to be reminded about the things that we learned in elementary school just like about being polite (laughs) like sometimes there's just things that we have to learn about being nice like these are things that we were taught that we forgot some things that we were taught in elementary school that we just, we just forgot. And so don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge someone without getting to know them. And, and listen, we do this all the time. And it's not just with, like, people. It's with organizations. So apply this to people in your life. But let me just tell you about, like, an, an organization, right? So we do this because it saves our brain sometimes. It's almost like a defense mechanism amongst all the choices that we have in our culture and all the relationships that we could have. So if I go to Denny's and my first impression is that it wasn't super clean when I walked in the front door and there wasn't a hostess standing there to greet me and it took me a while to get to a table. Whatever that first impression is, I can now categorize Denny's as a bad experience. So next time I have to choose between Denny's or King's, my brain doesn't have to process process that information anymore. I can just go to King's because I've categorized Denny's as bad. I've judged it as bad. I don't have to decide between the two now. It's a brain's defense mechanism. We, 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 we don't want to have to choose between the two. But we do this with people. So based off of first impression or whatever, thank goodness some people haven't done that to me because I usually have a pretty bad first impression, usually a little over the top, a little too in your face. And a lot of people have given me a second shot, which is really nice. But we do this with people all the time. We judge others without getting to know them. What does do not judge not mean? So, when Jesus says do not judge, what isn't he saying? It doesn't mean everything is permissible or that we should lack accountability. It doesn't mean we can just do whatever we want or that we shouldn't submit ourselves to someone else to help hold us accountable. It doesn't mean that we should live without healthy boundaries. It doesn't, because, because here's the flip side, right? On one side, when it says do not judge, um, sometimes it's like telling someone that they shouldn't do something that they're doing. But on the flip side of that is sometimes we forgive somebody, and then in order to, to, to live out the do not judge thing, we let them back in our life to destroy our lives in the same way that they destroyed our lives to begin with. And sometimes we need to establish healthy boundaries. Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't establish healthy boundaries. It doesn't mean that we ought to be thoughtless or lack discernment in relationships or encounters with one another. It doesn't mean that we stop thinking. Do not judge isn't do not discern. It's do not judge. Do not judge isn't do not think. It's do not judge. This doesn't mean that we check our brains at the door when it comes to our relationships. We still have to be wise. We still must discern. So, we ask ourselves those questions, and we look at those things. What does Jesus ultimately mean? He's talking about not putting others down so that we can build ourselves up. And we, we encounter that, right? I mean, when we had the bully in school and I would come home, my mom would say, well, either they have a rough home life was usually her response, and, or it was, you know, they're just trying to make themselves feel better. They're putting you down so that they can build themselves up. We hate that. We don't like that at all. You know, that mentality is we don't like it one bit. And we've all encountered it at some point or another. Another thing that Jesus is saying here is he's saying that we shouldn't judge people based off the color of their skin or perceived economic status or a difference in our lifestyle or lifestyle choices. We shouldn't be judging people by their worst mistakes. Instead, we should get to know people. I don't know if you ever had that encounter. A lot of times it happens in church where you come to church and people are judgmental, right? You kind of like feel it when you come in the room. You walk in the back, and you're dressed up in a too much black, and um, people are kind of giving you the glance. Like, why is that person wearing that? Because we all wear suits and ties. And the exact opposite is true at our church. Like, someone walks in with a suit and tie, and we all know they're a first-time guest because we're like, we don't, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. Pastor Chris does that twice a year. That's it, right? There's no ties in this joint right? and then the, Because it can be flipped, right? You can feel judged because you walked in a place that was suit and tie and you don't have a suit and tie on, or you can be judged because you walked in a place with a suit and tie and no one else has one on and they're looking at you weird, right? So we've all been in that scenario. We walked into a church and we felt judged, or we've been in a scenario where we're with an individual and we felt judged by them. They built themselves up by tearing us down. We know how bad that feels. When I first came to New Life, I knew that we were a healthier church because that judgmentalism is a sign of an unhealthy church or an unhealthy person, I knew that it was a pretty healthy church because I went to my first meeting with Pastor Chris and I had a lip ring and a bar through my ear and tattoos, and he didn't even mention it. He didn't say, and if you know Pastor Chris, he's not like a tattoo and piercing type of guy. He's not coming home from Cambodia with an, ear, with like a, with a, with an eyebrow piercing. That's not going to happen. But he, I had to ask him about it. And that was not the case in like other churches. In other churches I went to interview, I took the lip ring out, and they were like examining my face to see if I had a bullet wound or a piercing there. What's going on with your lip? And so I knew that we were a pretty healthy church based off the fact that I wasn't judged by Pastor Chris. I knew if the pastor's heart wasn't judgmental, then likely the church as a whole wasn't that way. Yeah, amen. That's a good thing. And so listen... Jesus rejected these type of judgmental environments, and honestly, we should too. We don't like them, so we shouldn't accept them here. And we shouldn't accept that attitude in our own heart, wherever it is that we go. So I wrote a couple more questions that I call the judgment test, which I think help us determine if there's maybe some judgmentalism lurking behind the surface. And this isn't me like saying to you that you're judgmental, because that would be pretty judgmental of me. I wrote these things because they were the most convicting questions I was asking myself. Right? Like I've been going through a lot of this myself, Like a lot of judgmentalism in my own heart. I've been dealing with a lot of that. And these were some of the questions that helped me realize it and brought it to light in my own life. So these are the things that I'm wrestling with. The first question is, do you expect more from others than you, than you expect from yourself? Do you expect more from others than you expect from yourself? That's a hard one. I mean, this is, that's a hard one. And the next one goes along with it. Do you hold someone else to a standard you don't want them to hold you to? We get in trouble with this with with our pastors, our bosses, our supervisors, whoever it is. We have a standard that we want to hold them to, but we do not want them to hold us to the same standard. If they were to hold us to the same standard that we hold them to, we would view them as judgmental and unloving. That... That's hard. Because I fall into that trap. I want someone else to be perfect, but I don't want to have to be perfect. We fall into this trap with our spouses, too, a lot. Right? Like, I want my wife to be perfect, but I want her to forgive me for not being perfect. The last question, and this is, this is the big one for me. It says, do you judge others by their worst mistakes, but yourself by your best intentions? Do you judge others by their worst mistakes, but yourself by your best intentions? We have a culture that does this, by the way. Like, we want everyone else to see our best intentions. I put my best foot forward. It's the thought that counts. Oh, well, I had really good intentions. And be honest with you, if we all looked at our lives and we thought about the worst thing that we've done, no matter where you are in life, if we got caught for the worst thing that we've done, most of us would have spent jail time. Let's just be honest. Most of us would be in jail or would have had been in jail if we had got caught doing the worst thing that we've ever done. But yet we like to judge people by the worst mistakes, and we want other people to judge us by our best intentions. Don't look at me for the mistakes that I've made. Look at the heart of it. See what I tried to do. Judge me by what I wanted to have happen, not by what I actually did. But at the same time, we're willing to point our finger at other people and judge them by their biggest mistakes so we know that we're not supposed to be judgmental this isn't news to us it's not like you read this passage today and you're like oh shoot i thought i was supposed to be doing that like we all know it's just human nature to know that being judgmental sucks and we don't like it when it happens to us and we don't like the person it turns us into it hardens our heart we become a worse person based off it so why the heck do we do it Because if you read these questions and the answer to any of them is yes, well, let's just just be honest here. You could have a really, maybe not, but you may have a judgmental spirit hiding behind a thin, thin layer of religious activity. So when when we look at this passage and when we understand some of these things from the judgmental test, why do we do it? Well, it's easier. It just is. It's easier for me to judge you and put you in a compartment in my brain so I don't have to think about you anymore. It's easy for me to categorize someone as arrogant and not have to get to know them. It just is. Judgment is easier. It seems cleaner. You don't have to see redemption in a person that you're judging. You can turn them into whatever you want to turn them into in your mind, put them in that box, lock them away in that container, and that's where they get to stay. It's just easier. And here in New Life, we talk a lot about the fact that being a follower of Jesus is simple, but it is not easy. It's simple, but not easy. We know what we have to do to not be judgmental. It's not new to us. It's simple. We stop judging people. It doesn't mean that we stop thinking. It doesn't mean that we live without boundaries. It doesn't mean that we're not discerning. It just means that we stop judging. We know what it is. It's just hard. It's harder simply it's just easier to be judgmental so what is the answer well as it turns out i think jesus is a great answer and in the middle of the passage from today jesus is this why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but you do not notice the log in your own eye or how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Take the log out of your own eye. I think that most of us, if we're honest, wake up most mornings with a log in our eye. I think if we're really honest, we usually have a log in both eyes. Most mornings, it's hard for us to see past our own issues and past our own stuff. We're so occupied by our own problems, or our own mistakes, that we can't see past it to... Oftentimes, spend any time in prayer or get to know God any better. Oftentimes, we have logs in our vision, and if you won't be honest about it, I'm sure that your kids or your coworkers or your spouse or your classmates will be. They'll probably be willing to point out the logs in your vision. So, what do we do? We have to get rid of them. Most of us know what they are, they're not new to us, they're just painful. It's harder. It's harder to remove the log from your own eye than it is to focus on the speck in your friend's eye. It's easier to judge your friend based off of something you see imperfect in them than it is to deal with the imperfections in yourself. Because the imperfections in yourself are always bigger and always more difficult, and frankly, it's painful. It's difficult to confess. It's difficult to deal with the consequences of our decisions. It's hard. It's humbling, humiliating at times. We don't want to do it. It takes too much time and energy. We're too occupied with work or with the kids or with our busy schedule to take time to actually deal with the real problems that are in us. We know what they are. We generally just hide from them. It's easier to point out other people's imperfections than it is to deal with our own logs and our own eyes, which is really my challenge for us this week. I think a great place to start being free from a judgmental lifestyle is to begin by removing the logs from our own eyes, which is our next step this week. Our next step this week is, I will remove the log from my own eye this week. Listen, I don't know what that is for you, but I do know what it is for me. I know what logs I wake up with in my eyes every morning. I know what needs to be dealt with, and I know the pain that it's going to take to handle them. And let me just tell you, they don't necessarily go away when you become more like Jesus. In fact, the closer you draw to the light of Jesus Christ, the more clear and defined the logs that you have in your own life become. The deeper you see they go, the more rooted in, the, in your heart they are. And so I know what my things are. I don't know what your things are, but I know that we all have them. And my hope and my prayer is, is that this week, we will take intentional steps towards removing the logs in our own eyes. Because if we're going to draw people closer to Jesus, we had better be walking the walk that we're talking about. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. Lord, help us to be freed from judgmentalism. Lord, help us to be freed from racism. Lord, help us be freed from judging the book by its cover. Help us be freed, Father, from putting people into compartments and dismissing them. Help us, Father, to see people as you see them, as your sons and your daughters created in your image. Help us, Father, to love people wholeheartedly. Help us to give our entire lives to you, to your kingdom, and to loving others. In your name we pray. Amen.